This is Paul Hansen. You are listening to the 24th edition of Boston Radio, and this is the second segment. Underneath me is the band Nevermore. This is from the album Obsidian Conspiracy, and the song is called Moonrise, and that's Jeff Loomis on the guitar. Jeff is quite a guitar virtuoso, and we have him on the phone. And let's pick up where we left off with Jeff. We were talking about drum machines a minute ago. The amazing thing for practicing is the ability to just change the speed. Right. And you know, sometimes I'll set the speed faster than what I can play, and then I have to try to keep up. That's a smart thing to do. I taught guitar for a little while, and you know, it's like a lot of kids, they want to come in and they want to play fast right away, you know, uh-huh. and uh, sometimes it just doesn't work, you know what I mean? You just really have to start at a slow pace and just work your way up, you know? Right. It's about putting the time in, and it's, uh, it's about uh, building the correct muscles in your right hand, you know, to coordinate with what's going on in your left hand, and uh, it takes a lot of work, you know, and you got to be willing to put in that work to get, uh, get really good, you know? Right. So that's what I always did. I just took the time and I did it, you know. Your comment about right hand picking, um, mm-hmm. I try to incorporate my wrist too, and I've taught that. And the term I use, it's like turning a key in a lock, you know. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the motion. It's that kind of right. twisting. Yeah. I'm shaking my right hand right now. <laughs> motion. <Right. laughs> and yeah, it's so smooth. My philosophy is massive repetition. Mm-hmm. That must be what you do. You must absolutely just practice eight, ten-hour days. Is that true? I did, man. When I was uh, when I was uh, first starting to play, like in my, my teen years, I was definitely putting in 10 to 12 hours a day, you know, and I just, not because I, I had to, it's just because I wanted to, and I just loved the instrument so much, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, of course, I, I warm up for a gig and stuff like that, but today I find myself uh, concentrating a little bit more on actually composing songs right. rather than sitting down and working on technique. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I think I've worked on technique for, for so long that, you know, it's fun to still do that in woodshed and, you know, in, in practice all the time like that, but I find it much more challenging to write a, a good song nowadays, and that's what I kind of focus on. But uh, if you can combine both of those elements um, when you're growing up and playing guitar, it's very important, I think, because how long can you actually sit in your bedroom and and work on technique? Absolutely, and you yeah. have to really you have to really combine both elements of working on technique and and composing music. When uh-huh. I was about fifteen or sixteen years old, I, I also had this little you know I had a little four track unit, and I believe it was the old Fostex X fifteen if I remember correctly. Uh-huh. And uh, I was always working on composing little mini uh, pieces or whatever, and then I would you know play a second track or an overdub over that and, you know, do a harmony to it or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. rather than practicing, I was always writing something at the same time. And it's very important, too, that you you get together with the kid across the street, form a band, you know. It's very important to have that that one-on-one thing with a drummer or a bass player even and and be in a band when you're young, too. Oh, yeah. You can't just sit in your bedroom all day, man. It just doesn't work. No kidding. Following up on that four-track concept, I heard you have a BR-600, a Boss Portable Digital Recorder. Yes. yes. I, just started, I just started working with it, but I think I'm going to move up to the 800, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to do that. It's the new one with the four mic yeah, inputs. Yeah, I research on it, and it just looks great. So The thing that I like, I've used the BR-600, and what I've done is... I'll just take an acoustic guitar on a vacation and I set the BR600 in front of me and I'll maybe have my 
frosty beer next to me or a cup of coffee and and right. I just put headphones on and use the built-in mics. That is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and it sounds so fantastic yeah. too. It does. Uh, and it runs on batteries, you know, <laughs> so you can bring the thing anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I, That's just phenomenal, you know. That's great. I wrote a couple tunes at uh, Cannon Beach on the Oregon coast. It recorded perfectly pristine. The only problem is in the background is the... <laughs> <laughs> the wind. The, the surf. Yeah. The, the surf ocean. And the, and the yeah. birds, right, right? <laughs> yeah. It picks up everything, doesn't it? And it's crazy. Yeah, the mics are... Built-in mics are great. That's awesome. Do you have a home studio? I do. I do. I've been, you know, every time I, I make a little money from the band, I always try to go out and get something new for it. But basically, yes, I'm just using uh, like a Pro Tool setup. Yep. I got the old iMac going and stuff like that. I'm pretty much an old school kind of guy. So all this new stuff is kind of, you know, the learning curve is a little bit intense for me. But uh, I, yeah. I think that I found out that if you, you know, put the manuals aside and just go for it and just find things out on your own makes it a little bit more fun and a little bit more interesting. So I'm fortunate, too, that I've got a bunch of great friends that uh, you know, have helped me and guided me along the way. Uh -huh. but, uh, it's amazing all the stuff that you can do, you know? It really is. Yeah, technology. It's but, cool. Yeah, I really enjoy, you know, just demoing stuff at home. And uh, it's hard for me to write on the road, you know what I mean? It's like there's too much chaos and stuff going around in, in the bus. and know what you mean. It's hard to really mm -hmm. focus, you know? So I find that the best time for me is when I'm at home and off of tour when I can really focus and do things on my own, yeah. I get my best work done, usually uh -huh. late at night, too. Hey, let's listen to another excerpt from Jeff's band, Nevermore. This is from the album Godless Endeavor, and this is the, the solo from the song Born. Just a little excerpt here. Just a little bit of um, casual kind of shredding here. That was from the last album, but the new one, Obsidian Conspiracy, is that title mean something? It's just, you know, our singer Worrell was writing about a lot of dark uh, things on uh -huh. this record, and he's not necessarily really preaching about anything, you know, he's just more or less wanting people to be aware of some crazy stuff that's going on in the world, you know. Uh -huh. And overall, I think that the Obsidian Conspiracy is just really a reference to it being a very dark record, a very emotional record. Uh -huh. um, it's been five years since we've had a record out. So, yeah, there's been some issues within the band, too. Uh -huh. It's been kind of crazy. But uh, we're back 
and we're strong as ever, and uh, we're getting ready to do uh, a headlining U.S. tour and a headlining European tour come uh, September, October, November, and December. And right now we're focusing on just playing uh, summer festivals. I'm actually leaving for France tomorrow, tomorrow morning, to do a festival. And, um, yeah, we've just been wow. kind of using the festivals as warm-up shows to our big ones that are coming up. So uh, wow. we're very excited to be back and doing this again. That's so cool. And you guys did the... Was the Wacken Festival in Germany, was that this year? That was actually last year. We usually play the Wacken Festival. Like Wacken. It's, it's actually Wacken, like V. Wacken, of course, W's Wacken. and V's. Yeah. Right, the W is the V and the V is the W in Germany. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we usually play that one every other year. And uh, it's a great festival, man. It usually sells out. It's, it's absolutely awesome to play in front of a sea of people like that. We've been a band now for almost 15 years, so... Uh, That's so cool. We've seen a lot of the world, and uh, we're definitely going to be uh, seeing a lot more of the world uh, on this particular tour. There's even talks of us going back to uh, Japan, Australia, and South America uh, later on in 2011, so we're all over the place. Wow. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, Rob Marcello, I just talked to him before I called you, and uh, he, uh -huh. he says hi. Oh, tell Rob I say hello, man. He's he's great. a great guy. Yeah, he's such they a always seem awesome to run guy. into each other at the uh, Frankfurt Music Mesa or the NAM shows or something. He's he's awesome. Great yeah. player too. You know, I think us Seattle guys and the Swedish guys maybe have a bit of the same climate, and maybe that's <laughs> why we have. We, I think you're right. Yeah, we turn out great guitarists. I know, dude. It's weird, too, because a lot of my best friends are Swedish for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. Our producer <laughs> on a record, one of my good friends, he's Swedish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the climate. Do you, by the way, on your records, do you guys record in a studio in Seattle? It's funny. The last two times that we've recorded in Seattle have just been for drums. Um, huh. For my solo record, I had a fabulous drummer by the name of Mark Arrington, and we recorded the drums at Robert Lang Studios. Are you familiar with that place? I am so out of the whole Seattle oh, okay. scene because I, you know, I lived in LA for so long. And right. That is a good studio in Seattle. Robert it's really good, man. And it's right down on the water. And uh, this guy, Robert Lang, built this studio on a residential street, but he like dug out a cavern. Wow. <laughs> of, yeah, it's amazing. It's been like a, a lifelong project for him. And if you were to go inside there right now and see this place, it's quite phenomenal. It's got an incredible drum room in there. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, we've done drums there. And for the new record, for the new Nevermore record, we also did uh, the drums there. Just because they have such a fabulous drum room. But for my solo record, I actually recorded it in my home studio at my house with a great producer by the name of Neil Turnin. I've heard of him. Neil did a lot of the uh, 80s bands like uh, Dokken, and wow. uh, he's known for his huge amounts of work that he's done. He had a gold record with uh, Hall & Oates. Um, he's a great friend of mine, great producer. He a Seattle guy? No, he actually, he's a British guy, but he actually uh -huh. lives in Chicago now. Yeah. So the drums were recorded at um, Robert Lang? The drums were recorded at Robert Lang Studios. That's kind of the new style of recording. You get the drums, and then you can work on your own stuff yeah. in a relaxed yeah, if environment. Yeah, you a foundation, and if you, it's uh -huh. like building a house. If you if you have a strong foundation of something, you know, if you That's get a the great drums analogy. down nicely at a nice studio, you can actually work from there and do the rest of the record at your house if you have a, a, a somewhat good setup. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what I did. You know, uh, studios can be expensive nowadays. 
one day goes by and a thousand dollars goes with it. Oh, no so, kidding. It's nice to invest in your own gear and have your own stuff at your house. It really is. Jeff, let's talk about gear. You play your own Jeff Loomis Schechter guitar these days. Yeah. Can, can you describe that guitar? Yes, it's called the Schechter Jeff Loomis model. Mm-hmm. It's based off of the old Hellraiser guitar. But it's that seven string. Okay. And it's a beautiful guitar, man. For a seven string guitar, it is absolutely gorgeous. It's uh, made uh-huh. out of ash. It's got 24 frets with some very, very large frets. I think they're like 2200 Jim Dunlop frets. Nice and high. I use EMG 707 pickups. The big frets. Mm-hmm. We were talking about Ingve, and he d- does that. Richie Blackmore scalloped fingerboards, but I yeah. feel like big frets kind of keeps your finger off the wood. It does. It's easier to vibrato. Right, yeah, and that's exactly the reason I've always been using larger frets. It's just because it's easier to bend, mm-hmm. and um, I have very, this may sound kind of funny, but my fingers are very, like, acidic or something like that. Like, I tend to sweat a lot uh-huh. when I play in a live situation, huh. and if you have, like, small frets in your fingers, are touching the wood while you're trying to, to shake a string, it can be a little difficult. So that's why I have some right. high frets where I'm just basically touching the metal, you know? That's funny. Um, but it makes it for easier bending. That reminds me of this guitar tech I used to know who um, had a client who ate a lot of Mexican food. Mm-hmm. I guess he would just, his sweat would eat through the, um, <laughs> you know, the the Gibson Tunematic Bridge. And his theory was oh that it's just, uh, you know, all that salsa that you Right, eat. <laughs> exactly. All the salsa and the picante, man. Yeah, the, chili peppers and stuff. <laughs> but, yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy, man. It's like when I do a month-long tour, I will have eaten through a Floyd Rose easily, no problem. Huh. Like it, It's so funny. It just looks like a piece of rust, you know. But, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's crazy. Uh both of my guitars come in either a, a standard, you know, bridge, or you can get them with a the Floyd Rose on it as well. And the guitar comes in two different colors, satin red, and also in... Uh, Very dark. It's like an offset black. Yeah, they look so, yeah, really it, cool. It, it's not like gloss black, but it's very like an off black. It looks really, mm-hmm. really great. Maple fingerboard. I love maple fingerboards, too. You're a maple fingerboard guy? Yes, I am. I just think that uh, they're just brighter sounding, you know, and I think they look great with the the wood, too. So I've always been using, like, maple fingerboards. And it just has one volume knob. You know, the original uh, Schechter guitars had uh, a volume knob and two tone knobs, but uh, I don't like messing around with all that stuff in a live situation. So I just have one one kill volume knob, and that's it. And um, I get all the tone right from my fingers and from my amp if I need it. So that's, uh, that's all I need. Yeah, I cut the uh, tone knobs out of my guitars just because mm-hmm. I, I like to put the volume control down there. The volume control doesn't get in the way of my picking. Yeah, and you don't need all those tone controls. I, I mean, maybe a jazz guy would turn the tone down. but Right, yeah, to get a little bit you know less uh, high-end or something yeah. like that. But yeah, I, I just don't like fiddling around with all that stuff down there. You know, it's just One volume knob is all I need. Yeah, it's a, a very affordable guitar, man, and it's selling quite well for Schechter at the moment. Yeah, and we haven't even talked about the main thing about it, and that's that it's a seven-string. Mm-hmm. How long have you been playing a seven-string guitar? I've been playing seven strings now since 2000. Um, I had a friend of mine who built guitars uh, back in Wisconsin uh, make me a seven-string. I, I just wanted to mess around with it. You know, when I first opened it, opened up 
the guitar case, I was kind of laughing. I was like, how does anybody play one of these things, right? Yeah. And I just started messing around with it. And the problem that I had at first was how you were supposed to anchor your, your pick, you know, because you're always so used to just, like, riffing off the low E string, right? Right. So I was trying to play just normal Van Halen songs, you know, like Running with the Devil or something like uh-huh. that. Uh, without hating the very bottom low seven string. Oh strings, yeah, right. Yeah, like when you play the A to G, da do da. Right. Yeah, you have such a tendency to treat the low E like, uh, you know, just like anchor the low string. E. Yeah, anchor <laughs> string. Exactly, and I know, and that was really weird for me to do that, knowing I had another string behind there. Yeah. So I just literally just slowly practice like that, get used to it, and then I started to incorporate the seventh string with just using chords and stuff like that. And I was really just liking the sound of it. It just sounded super heavy, super brutal, which I'm a huge fan of, just like the heavy chunk kind of thing. Uh I'm like, hey, you know, I could really work with this, man. This would be cool because I'm still able to play all the older Nevermore songs on the sixth string part of the guitar, Uh but I can incorporate this new seventh string with writing some new music maybe. So that's how it all started. And I started demoing songs um, with writing with the seventh string. And I just, I love the, the sonic quality of it. It was just so, so heavy. Yeah. Um, so I started uh, sending our singer, Worl Dane, Worl uh, Dane. songs uh, that I had composed. And he's like, wow, this sounds really cool. So that's kind of the, the beginning of uh, when all the hell broke loose there. Yeah, yeah. kind of cool. That's Jeff jamming on a song called Final Product. This completes the second segment of the 24th edition of Boston Radio. Uh, stay tuned. We have more coming up in the third segment. Jeff Loomis is going to talk a lot more about his gear and all kinds of interesting stuff. And we're also going to hear some more excerpts from their new album, Obsidian Conspiracy, from Jeff's band Nevermore. So stay tuned to this 24th edition of Boston Radio. (laughs) 